This is Unspoken Secret, Episode 7. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't have anything clever to start this one. Me either. But welcome, Mal, Marie. Mal is back. Mal is back. Um, within the next few episodes, we're going to have a lot more guest stars. Um, which is so fun. Which is fun. So... If any of you would like to be featured on Unspoken Secret, go ahead and message us and we will see what we can do. And but you got to come up with a good topic. Yeah, I was going to say if you have topic ideas too. Yeah. We got to talk about something that's secretive. So, yeah. Or just a secret for you that yeah. you want to talk about. Something that you feel can be relatable to other people. I mean, the whole purpose of this podcast is for people who don't have a voice, really, to speak for those who can't speak for themselves and to help people recognize that they're not alone in the lives that they live, um, no matter where they are, and that life is still worth living even though life sucks mm-hmm. So true. <laughs> in a lot of ways. But so that's my goal, at least. I hope people are able to relate to it and Recognize that I make mistakes. <laughs> I've we done all a do. lot of dumb things. Have um, we all? Mm-hmm. So, just like you met Chip Cookie right before we got here. Mm, that was not a mistake. <laughs> True. <laughs> Making a mistake would have been not doing that. True. True that. That was definitely a good decision. <laughs> um, but that's actually interesting that you mentioned that because our topic today is on body image. Um, specifically internal factors that affect um, how we see ourselves and our bodies. Um, and I know Mallory here is very passionate about this topic. Yes, I am. Um, when I mentioned that I was going to do a podcast on body image, she immediately was like, I have to be on that one. I have to. Have to. This is something I've written on my blog about. So like, oh, really? I have to. What's your blog? It's called XOXO Mal. Mm, cute. Um, yeah, so just little... You know, personal solicitation here. There just kidding. Or a um, little plug. Yeah. You. It's kind of like what you're doing. I just want to help people through the experiences that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is one that I've gone through. So, yeah. Well, let's get right into it then. Um, so I have some questions, obviously. Obviously. I'm um, ready. You're Bring ready? Okay. So we mentioned before on a previous podcast that you're in, um, we talked a little bit about eating disorders. Can you explain a little bit about what an eating disorder is, like the definition of an eating disorder? Mm-hmm. I think the definition differs between people because I know people who have had eating disorders to the point where they've had to go to, like, a rehab or a treatment center to, like, overcome, you know, whether it's anorexia or bulimia or... Um, binge eating and then, you know, throwing up and there's like that extreme. But then there's also just people who almost just have like disordered eating, like habits and thinking. Okay. Who aren't like super, super extreme, but like. It's just like abnormal, but not necessarily a disorder. Yeah. So like how I've been like told through like counseling and stuff is that like more of the phrase like disordered eating. Instead okay. of, like, having an eating disorder. Okay. And so, yeah. Interesting. Um, a lot of people deal with eating disorders, though. Mm-hmm. 
So I have a question, mm-hmm. and I honestly don't know the answer to this. Okay. And it's only if you feel comfortable sharing, because mm-hmm. um, we can edit. But have you, or do you currently have an eating disorder? So I, I would never say that I've had like an eating disorder, but like I was telling you, I would say that I definitely am a victim of disordered eating. Okay. Um, for last year, here at BYU, I attended like an eating concerns group. It was an anonymous group, um, and we would just talk about eating disorders and um, how to overcome it. We would just you know, like do check-ins every week with each other. Um, but yeah, I've never gone to the point where I've like been super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But I remember, not this last Christmas break, but the Christmas break before, I can remember when I went home, everybody, like, my family and everybody was commenting on, like, how thin I got. Or, I, like, I was looking, you know, and like, oh, my gosh, like, what are you doing? Like, you look so good and all this stuff. And that's when I, like, really noticed the you disordered chasing yeah. after this. It, like, made me feel good. I'm like, oh, they're telling me I look good, so I must have not looked good before. And mm. they're asking me, like, what I'm doing. They're making it seem... Like, it's this really good thing that I look smaller than I have ever looked. And so it's almost like feeding this. For me, it was like the the starvation thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it was feeding the idea of me to keep not eating Mm. because it felt good to get so many compliments like that. And I Mm. hadn't really ever gotten a ton of compliments like that before. And so... This was the reward that you were getting. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, deep down, I knew that I wasn't being healthy about it, you know? But you f- looked good. <clears throat> but I looked good. So you felt good. So I felt good. Even yeah. though you weren't healthy, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what's, like, your thought process with that? Why do you think you allowed yourself or started to have that relationship with food to stop eating as much mm-hmm. in order to lose weight or to look thinner so I talked about this a little bit on the fear episode but there were just some comments made to me when I was younger I was a cheerleader mm-hmm. um, and there were just some comments made to me when I was younger that <clears throat> really really affected how I saw myself and I started seeing myself in these negative ways and that's one sign of an eating disorder is like distorted body image you know you look in a mirror and you see something that's not actually Mm -hmm. there because your mind is telling you that's what you look like Mm -hmm. and so I truly started seeing myself this way you know like this overweight girl who like is not beautiful and so throughout high school especially it was so hard like I never really I never really like started myself in high school Mm -hmm. like there were times where I was like oh I'm like gonna restrict my eating but I've always thought about like it's been an exhausting thing it's like okay I know like tonight my family is gonna take me out to dinner for like my birthday or something or you know that's just an example so this morning with breakfast and lunch I'm not gonna eat as much because I know I'm gonna go out or like you know little things like that or like sometimes when my friends would go out to get like ice cream or something you know I like wouldn't eat and I started realizing those little things little like, little by little. And then I went on my mission, and that was really hard for me. 
in this way, my mission was great. Loved my mission, but I gained a lot of weight on my mission. Mm-hmm. And I came home, and I just felt so bad about myself. I felt good about myself about serving a mission. I, I need to, like, <laughs> reemphasize yeah. that. Like, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do. Like, physically, I felt so bad because I had gained so much weight, and I just hated how I looked. Hated. And so that's when it got really bad. That's when I really started, like, restricting my eating. I would eat, like, 300 calories a day, and I would go to the gym every day. Like, not good stuff, right? Yeah. And it just became, I feel like for me, it almost became like a game in my head. Because I would, you know, track what I ate, and I would just try and challenge myself, which is not a good thing. Yeah. And then I just be- just became, like, obsessed with Like, it honestly became, like, an addiction. You know, like, any, like, an oh, addiction to sure. drug or anything. I just became addicted to not eating. Yeah, and, yeah. I was going to yeah. ask, like, but I think you kind of answered that. I was going to ask, was there, like, an end goal? Was there an ideal weight? Like, once you hit this weight, okay, I'm thin enough, I just have to stay there. Or were you just constantly trying to continuously get thinner and thinner and thinner? I never so, had, like, a a goal. And the funny thing is, is like, I was talking about that Christmas break when I was at home and all these people were complimenting me. I still didn't feel, like, I couldn't tell in myself that I was You thinner. felt like you still needed to be mm-hmm. thinner. I still thought beautiful. that I looked the same. When, like, even though all these people were telling me these things and it felt great, but, like, in my head I didn't believe them still because I still saw what my disordered eating, like, thinking saw. And so, but now, like, life experiences has made me put on weight again (laughs) a little (laughs) bit. Um, Looking back at, like, pictures, I saw how small I was. Like, I wasn't, like, dangerously small where, like, you look at me and, like, I'm going to, like, break or something or, like, blow Mm -hmm. away. But it was the smallest I've ever been, like, probably since hitting puberty. So I've actually felt like I've had a little bit of experience. I can Mm -hmm. relate to what you've been saying. Um, And I love how you mentioned, like, it's not an eating disorder. It's, like, disordered eating. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until you said that that I realized I probably do experience that as well. Like, I think most people do to 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 an an extent. extent. Yeah, it's not like everyone has this perfect relationship with food and they love their bodies and think that they're perfect and they don't need to change anything. Everyone always feels a little bit self-conscious and uncomfortable about how their body looks, mm-hmm. no matter what phase of life they're in. Yeah. Unless children. I think children actually genuinely don't care. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's really funny that you say that because in that group that I was in, um, the whole point was to help us get back to that because we're born like with the innate knowledge of knowing when we're hungry and when we're full. True. Like, we're born with that. Like, babies, you think, like, when they're being fed, they spit out, like, the bottle when they're full, and they Mm -hmm. won't take any more food because they know that they're full. Mm -hmm. And so every, like, yeah, children know, but then we grow out of that Mm -hmm. when we get older. And so, like, trying, I just thought that was interesting when I learned about that in that group. Yeah. How it's true. We're all born with that, like, instinct. It's definitely developed, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, But I don't think, um, or I don't think it's talked enough about... Um, men having eating disorders. Um, we always focus on the women and their uh, body image. And I, I'm not saying that we need to focus less on that. Mm-hmm. 
because I think we need to focus more on that. But in addition to that, we should be focusing on the men as well in a lot of these aspects. Um, Me, myself, have had a little bit of a different experience where I wasn't trying to get thin. I was trying to get bigger Mm -hmm. because that's the ideal male body is to be as muscular and broad and whatever it may be. Um, And so I I remember growing up and I used to really enjoy going to the pool and swimming and playing with my friends and cousins and family. Um, But I hit a point where I started to feel really self-conscious about how thin my body looked. And I didn't feel comfortable not wearing a shirt. And it even got to the point where I didn't feel comfortable wearing short sleeve shirts and shorts. I would go to school wearing a jacket almost every single day, no matter what mm-hmm. day of the year it was, because I was so self-conscious <clears throat> about how thin I looked. And I didn't want people to accuse me of having an eating disorder yeah. or to accuse me of not being attractive. Yeah. Because um, I definitely felt that. I don't think I ever had anyone say that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was definitely internal. Inside my mind, I felt that I was ugly yeah. and that I wasn't good enough and that I never was going to be good enough. I always wanted to do sports, but I just felt like I couldn't. And now I don't really care about sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't regret not doing sports. Um, but I do wonder sometimes if I had had the courage back then to maybe participate a little bit more and not be so self-conscious, if I would have excelled in a specific sport and maybe had a different uh, body in a way. But Mm -hmm. who knows? And I do feel like my body type is very thin and just not set up in the way that would be good for most sports. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's really interesting thinking about Mm -hmm. the different thoughts and processes you go through with your body and how you Mm -hmm. look at yourself yeah so like you said like I am so passionate about this I could talk (laughs) for hours about this but one thing that like really bothers me is when people associate like healthiness healthy levels and your size I know people who are thin who are unhealthy you know, like mm-hmm. like me when I wasn't eating a lot, I, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't super healthy. You know, I wasn't as strong as I could have been, but like I was thin or like I have friends who weigh like 90 pounds, you know, but like mm-hmm. they hate vegetables, you know, like mm-hmm. things like that. And I, I run a lot, you know, I run half marathons and marathons and there are people who are quote unquote bigger who are incredible runners who like run laps around me, Mm -hmm. but like they're judged because of their size and like, Oh yeah. Like she would never run or he would never run, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, they also eat super well, you know, all these things, but because they're bigger than the like average person or the ideal or the ideal. Yeah. That's better way to put it bigger than the ideal person. They're unhealthy. And that's something that really frustrates me because I've always been, quote unquote, bigger than the ideal person. And but like, I feel like I'm a healthy person, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, by all means, I'm not perfect, 
at eating and stuff. <laughs> I just had a chip cookie before we started this. <laughs> but I feel like I am a healthy person. I feel like I take care of my body. But looking at my size, you wouldn't always just think that, you know? And so I think it's important to remember that your size doesn't determine if you're healthy or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like a big part of it is, like, for a long time, I would fear, like, unhealthy foods. I would, like, if I ate a bite of that, Mm. I would gain 20 pounds by taking one bite of that milkshake, you know? Mm. Or, like, avoiding all bad foods. Nobody could see that. (laughs) Quote, bad foods. Because... I thought that if I ate it one time, it would make me fat, you know? And it became this, like, super unhealthy way of thinking, Mm -hmm. which led me to a really, really, really negative relationship with food, where, like, I feared food. And I almost, like, personified food. Hmm. That's how you viewed it. Yeah. Like, this evil thing. And... In that group, a big focus was saying and believing that food is fuel. Food isn't good or bad. Food isn't, you know, healthy or unhealthy. It's fuel. No matter what you eat, you eat it because you have to have it to live. And that's it. And don't personify it. Don't give it any more attention than it needs, Mm -hmm. which is really hard. Because I also feel like food is something that's really social in our culture. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's like, oh, let's catch up. Let's go grab lunch, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a social thing, and it brings people together, as it should. You know, like, when you travel to different countries, you want to try their food. Like when you, It's very much a part of culture. Yeah, it really is, food. which is a good thing. I love trying love culture's food. new food. Oh, I love food. Mm-hmm. But, like, remembering to not, like, personify it. Don't give it more attention than it, like, deserves because... At least for me, that's a super big trigger for me. I start labeling foods good and bad. And I'm like, okay, I can't eat the bad things. Yeah. Obviously, eat everything in moderation just to be healthy. But never eating something that has any fat in it. Like, that's not realistic. And that's not good because you need fat, you know? Mm-hmm. Something interesting about me, I guess, with my relationship with food and eating um, And I don't know if this is common or not, but this is something that I've noticed within the last few years. And I think it's related to my depression, my mood. Um, But I recognized and have learned that sometimes I don't eat, not because I feel that I want to look thinner, anything like that, but I don't eat the food because of the hunger it gives me. It makes my stomach hurt. It makes me feel pain. And in a weird way, I enjoyed feeling that because a lot of the time I would be experiencing a lot of mental and emotional pain and felt like I couldn't control that and that it was out of my vicinity. Um, And so taking something like the hunger pain was something that I could control Mm -hmm. and in some ways, it was more painful than the emotional and mental pain. So we would kind of numb that out. And I could just say, well, I'm feeling this pain, but I'm in control of this pain. I caused this pain, and I can make it stop. Um, and that was part of the reason why I wouldn't eat as much, was because 
I wanted to experience that pain and focus on something that I could control, Mm -hmm. which I've heard is, I mean, this is a totally different topic, but I've heard is part of the reason why people are addicted to Mm self-harm is because they want to be in control of the pain that they experience. It makes you feel alive. It awakens your senses. It gives you something other than that apathy and that numbness. And when that's all that you've known and you don't have any other feelings, it is something desirable. Yeah. So. That's true. I mean, part of, like, that's the same thing as part of the reason why I wanted to is I felt like so much of my life was out of control that this was something I could control. I could Mm -hmm. control how much I ate. Mm -hmm. I could control how much I put into my mouth, you know? Yeah. And that was my doing when like everything else was falling out of control I could control that yeah. I couldn't control how I looked <laughs> but I control the fact that, that made me like look how I did mm-hmm. and so I felt like empowered by that almost yeah. which is bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how would you approach someone or help someone dealing with this How would you want to be helped? How do you think we can? What's your advice? So one thing for me that is a super big trigger. Well, first of all, that was huge for me is just like figuring out what triggered me and what triggered my thinking and my behaviors. Because then I could, in a situation, I could recognize that and take myself out of the situation Hmm. before it got bad. Like one of them, honestly, is hearing other people talk about their bodies. And that's something that I've been trying not to do. Like, I have two younger sisters. And like we were talking about, everybody pretty much deal, deals with body image problems to one extent, you know, or another. And when I'm around my sisters, like, they've told me that they struggle similarly with similar things. And so I've tried not to, like, bring it up around them because I know that it'll, like, feed them. Because I know for me, if I'm, like, sitting next to a girl who's smaller than I am and I hear her talk about how she thinks she's so fat Uh, in my head I'm like well what do you think of me then like if you're smaller Mm -hmm. than me you know and so I think the first thing that anybody can do to help somebody is to not talk about your own self-conscious problems around somebody else I mean of course like if you can sympathize with them sympathize with them be like I understand how you feel I know how you feel like I've struggled with these things but not to tear yourself down in front of them because it just puts them in a negative headspace to then continue to tear themselves down. But I think another one would be to just help them find the good in them. I mean, I talk like I'm over this. No, I'm nowhere near over this. Like, I still see a counselor here on campus for this. And I've actually, like, felt that it's going to be something that I struggle with for a long time. And... I try to remind myself that, you know, I'll be able to help my future children probably through this and help other people. But just pointing out the good in people who have this and not focusing on physical things. Obviously, you know, you want them to feel like they're beautiful. Tell them that they're beautiful. Tell them why they're beautiful. That's something big for me is there's a big difference in somebody saying you are beautiful, which I appreciate every time I'm told. But there's something even deeper when somebody tells me like, you have beautiful eyes or your spirit is so beautiful. You know, those Mm -hmm. things are like things that I can focus on 
and actually try and like see in myself but also saying things that aren't physical like you are such a great friend thank you for being such a good friend to me or you are so smart you know I notice that you're always studying and doing homework and getting good grades like you have a gift you know just pointing out these little things Mm -hmm. in people and verbalizing them telling them like these things and telling them how these gifts have affected you so it doesn't just sound like you're just saying something to say something you know Mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the best things you can do and just Mm -hmm. helping them see it in themselves yeah I definitely know that you have all these negative thoughts going through your mind all the time I think everyone experiences that Mm -hmm. and when someone says something to you it kind of helps you to push those away and like you're saying, you do have to be like genuine with it because I know me personally, when someone compliments me, I immediately think, oh, that's not mm-hmm. true. They're just saying that. They're just saying that, yeah. They're just saying that. They're, they're just being just, nice. <laughs> they're just trying to do something good. And so it is really hard. You have to tell people over and over and over these things and not get frustrated when they keep being down on themselves and um, saying things that you know aren't true but that they're really feeling. They need to express that, and you need to just help them recognize and see the beauty that they do have, Mm -hmm. which everyone is beautiful. Everyone is beautiful. And that's the thing, like, that's why I'm so passionate about it is because it sounds so hypocritical because I want everybody to love themselves and all stuff, but it's like I I don't (laughs) need to love myself too. It's, It's a real thing. Yeah, and I think one of the things for me is I, like, look back on my life and... I think about how much time I've wasted just crying in my room, hating myself, looking myself in the mirror, finding all the bad things, you know, all these things. Like, I've wasted so much time, and I don't want anybody else to waste their life doing that. You know, we have this one life, like, it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, you don't want to get to the end of your life and look back and realize that you hated yourself. The whole time. The whole time, yeah. Even, like, if you didn't hate yourself, like, you hated how you looked. Like, something so small in the grand scheme of things. Like, I wasted time that I could have spent with my friends or my family or Mm -hmm. doing homework to get better grades. Like, all these things, you know, because I was so upset with how I looked and I would just stare at myself in the mirror and cry and point out the negative things. And it's just such a waste of time and it makes me so sad that people that. And girls younger and younger and boys, too. Um, mm-hmm. people younger and younger are, like, falling into this pattern. Like, mm-hmm. there was a study done where, like, seriously, like, eight-year-olds said one of their biggest fears is being fat. And that, mm-hmm. like, when I heard that, it broke my heart. Totally broke my heart that an eight-year-old is worried about getting fat. The only thing an eight-year-old should be worried about is, like, if they're going to get new crayons for the school year or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> An eight-year-old should not worry about that. Yeah. I get really fired up about this. No, I appreciate it for sure. Yeah, because in all honesty, when you think about it, everyone is, according to society, the ideal what is attractive. Everyone is either going to grow through it and get old and get ugly, or they're going to die. No one stays beautiful (laughs) their entire life. True. Um, And even people who you think are beautiful and have stayed beautiful, they still struggle with body image. Oh, yeah. And confidence is what's attractive. True. 
That's what, like, my mom would always tell me when I would, like, say that I'm struggling with this. But that is another thing. Like, I would always be told that, that confidence is attractive. But I'd get down on myself even more because I'm like, I'm not oh, confident. so I'm not confident. So that means I'm really not attractive then. Yeah. But, but it's true. Double-edged. Confidence is attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a little while ago, um, actually a few months ago, um, I made this post. It was the first post that I made on my Unwritten Probs Instagram account. Um, that had an actual picture and wasn't just uh, words with, like, a cute little background, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had taken this picture of my hand with a quote written on it. Um, And I had taken this picture a couple years previous. Um, And kind of the story behind taking this picture um, and writing this down on my hand, I remember I was just thinking about all my flaws and all the flaws of other people and how we live in a world that is so corrupted and just has so much wrong with it. And I wrote this down um, on my hand. It says, what if there's one person in the world that we absolutely hate and our one purpose in life is to find them and then learn to love them? Better yet, what if that one person is ourselves and our one purpose in life is to find ourselves and learn to love them? Um, so kind of two parts to that. The first is learning to love other people. Um, I think it shows great character to be able to see someone that goes against you in almost every way, is completely opposite of you, and you can still learn to love them. Mm-hmm. That is almost impossible as humans. Um, to do perfectly, um, but to strive to do that, to at least attempt to try and do that, um, is an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, learning to love ourselves is almost harder. Yeah, <laughs> it's extremely difficult to be able to find who we are and learn to love ourselves and our flaws. And what I find so ironic with this post is I had several people comment about how my hand looked and how it looked dry and that it wasn't attractive. And I immediately thought to myself, they're missing the point that I had purposefully made because I had done edits on this photo and I was aware of how my hand looked. I had purposely made it look unnatural and look so it stood out and put some filters on it so that it didn't look like a regular hand or whatever. And... I just thought it was so funny how people were commenting and attacking on how my hand looked mm-hmm. and not paying attention to what was written, what was written on it? which is going exactly <clears throat> against what I was trying to say. Yeah. And so I almost take pride in the fact that so many people made comments about that Yeah. because I have learned to love my body. Yeah. And I do recognize it is thin. It is dry. It is not as attractive as some other people. But it is my body. I get to take care of it. I was given this body, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I want to yeah. with it. So As you should. Yeah. Did you have any other comments or thoughts before we end this? I think just one that's like kind of just going off what you were just saying is something that I've really been trying to do is 
thinking about my body as what I can do and not just like finding the things I don't like or anything like that. But when I go for a run, truly acknowledging the fact that I have this amazing body that allows me to run, you know, Mm -hmm. or even just like, you know, the smallest things like I'm trying to even think of an example now, but like going on a hike, like my body can carry me up the side of a mountain is pretty incredible you know mm-hmm. some people can't yeah exactly and like that's why i'm super grateful um i started thinking about that a lot because i had an aunt who passed away a little over a year ago from cancer mm-hmm. and you know the last few years of her life she was so sick and like just standing up and walking around was hard for her and i was like oh I shouldn't complain about my body. I have a healthy body. I have four appendages that all work. You know, I don't have any, like, super, like, serious diseases or anything. Like, I should be grateful for what my body allows me to do. But here I am just, like, tearing it apart, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I was once told this little, like, this is the last thing I'll say. Um, I was once told this little, like, analogy thing. Mm -hmm that say you were a painter and you painted this incredible painting. You were so proud of it. You worked so hard on it. It was so beautiful. And you gave it to somebody as a gift. And you found out that they threw it away. Like, how would that feel, right? Like That would be really devastating. Awful. Like, it was something you were so proud of. And you made it for this person. And it was beautiful. And... Somebody told me that and then related it to how God feels because God created our bodies and he spent so much time. And we as like humans are the greatest creations that God has ever made. And he spent so much time making us and put so much thought into us and gives us these bodies as a gift. And like when he hears and sees us like tearing ourselves down, he has like the same feeling Mm -hmm. that like... I worked so hard on you and like I gave you this beautiful gift and it makes me sad that you're just throwing it away and like it breaks his heart and so like that's something that I try that's like a religious standpoint that I try and have or like viewpoint on the situation but that's always stuck with me I was told that when I was like 13 and it's always stuck with me Mm -hmm. and so just remembering that I am beautiful even if there are days, when there are days that I don't feel like it, um, just remembering all the beautiful things that my body allows me to do. Yeah. A secret is a story untold, and I just told it. The end. The end. <laughs> <laughs>